Today on the Weekly Walk podcast, Eric and I talk all about tips for managing Finter. What is Finter, you may ask? Finter is that season between fall and winter, otherwise known as the holidays. So if tips for managing your holiday stress, your holiday shopping, all the holiday things are something of interest to you, lace up your sneakers and let's get going. Welcome to the Weekly Walk Podcast, the perfect podcast to take with you on a 30-minute walk. I'm Joyce, the pack leader here at 99 Walks, and each week my husband and co-founder Eric and I explore tools, tactics, research, and random stories to help you keep moving forward and creating a life you love. Hey, Eric. Hey, Joyce. Do you know what time of year it is? Yes. What time is it? It's Finter. What in the world is Finter? Is that it, like Dinch? It's, yes, it's that spot right between fall and winter. Like the leaves are down, but it's not really that cold. And it's there's no snow on the ground in most places, particularly where we are. So it's sort of like Finter. It's too a little too chilly to be fall, but you know, it's not quite winter. I went for a walk today. And it was warm. It was too warm. I was dressed for winter, and I was too warm. I should have dressed for finter. For fi- That's it. You should have dressed for finter. Huh. All right. Finter. Look it up in the dictionary. I think you just made up a new word. <laughs> the time between fall and winter. Finter. Finter. <laughs> this How, totally I, works for me. I, I think so. How long does finter generally last, do you think? It's like a month. It's like three to four weeks. Does Finter coincide with anything else? It often coincides with the holidays. Or the lead up to the holidays. Well, yes, the lead up to the holidays. Thanksgiving in particular. Thanksgiving is sort of the heart of Finter. I think Thanksgiving is the unofficial celebration of Finter. Oh, and you see, I disagree. See, I think Thanksgiving is still fall, but the day after Thanksgiving, it's full on Finter. It's Finter. <laughs> Yeah, I would say so. Right, fall is all the fall colors and, I'm sorry, Thanksgiving, I mean, is all about the fall colors and the fall foods. But right after that, it's Finter. It's Finter. It's right between that blanket of white fluffy snow and, yeah, the colors of fall. Finter. And everybody runs around during Finter pretending like it's the holidays, but it's not. Finter is... The planning and the anticipation of the holidays. It depends on who you are. For some people, it's the culmination of the planning and the shopping and all that stuff. And for other people, it's the start of the shopping. True. True. And then for us, actually, it really depends because Hanukkah is one of those holidays that just moves around the calendar. Every year, it's a mystery. Chanukah. (laughs) There was there was Thanksgivinga. Was that last year or the year before? A couple of years ago. Yep. When Thanksgiving and Hanukkah coincided, and that's I very unusual. I don't. I don't think it's going to happen again until like twenty one thirty four or something. Did you make that up? No, it's really not supposed to happen again for like over a hundred years. Really? Yes. I guess we should have celebrated it a little bit more fully at the time. Yeah. So, Finter can be kind of a challenging time for a lot of people. And the the holidays in general can be challenging. Thanksgiving, Christmas, it's expectations out the wazoo. 
and you get seasonal affective and sometimes we're super happy and sometimes we're blue and it's all rolled up into this finter holiday season. <laughs> I agree. And I think adding to that from when we go out into the world, it's like you're just smacked in the face over and over again with so much manufactured joy that you're supposed to, you know, every store, every time I walk into a store during Finter, what is on the radio or on the music, the Muzak? The most wonderful time of the year. How can you not roll into the holidays with all of these outsized expectations about what it's supposed to look like and be like? And the perfect Christmas tree, right? The perfect everything. Yes. Yeah. It's it's a lot of pressure. And, and then add to that, how about all of the people who don't celebrate Christmas? I mean, talk about being left out of, like, the cultural norm. Yeah. When I was a kid growing up, I was often one of the only Jewish kids. And I was, like, completely left out. Yeah, well, I grew up in a Jewish town, so <laughs> <laughs> that, that was okay with me. But everybody, actually everybody I grew up with traveled over Christmas, so there was that piece of it too. Yeah. So the holidays are complicated. All right, so how can we best not just survive but thrive through Finter and the holidays? Well, fortunately, there are a lot of good holiday movies. So one solution is take to your bed and just binge watch all the stuff until it's over. How about that plan? What's your favorite holiday movie? Uh, Miracle on 34th Street. Oh, that's a classic. Mm. I like the modern day classic of Elf. Oh, Elf. It's very cute. Uh, Zoe Deschanel. I love her. She's just adorable. All right, so we've got our we've got our list. So that <laughs> a few things to watch. So that's one solution. That's one solution. Uh, and speaking of lists, and I'm going to defer to you on this one because you are the Finter queen of lists. All right, though I've got to say I've gotten a little bit more lax over the ne the last few years, not to my benefit. But all right. I don't know how to share this without sounding like a complete freak, but I have a holiday spreadsheet that I update every year. <laughs> and on the spreadsheet are all of the people who we need to gift, and then also the people that we like to tip. You know, we tip our newspaper delivery guy and our UPS guy and our garbage guy and our mail carrier and the bus drivers and it's not a ton of people, but there's a list of people who we tip over the holidays. So they they work very hard and they make our lives easier. And it's great to recognize them over the holidays. So I have a spreadsheet. I update it every year. And usually the week after Thanksgiving, I pull up this spreadsheet and it is helpful to know what we did last year. Uh, and start updating it and knocking things off the list. There are always some really tricky ones like parents. Oh. And so do you do presents? Do you do the kids' presents on there? Oh, yeah. Mine? Of course. <laughs> what do you think? I just make this up? You think I just go to TJ the day before the first night of Hanukkah and just buy stuff? Really? 
Uh, no, I would not suspect <laughs> that you do that. Even even I don't quite do that. You don't do that. You are you are the king of um, online shopping, and you you'll start pretty early for your online shopping. Yes, I will. Yeah, but keeping track of things really does. So the two the two things as for about gifting and tipping is keeping track of it year after year, which sounds really freakish, and it, you honestly feel like. Really, am I going to remember this in a year? But you are. So create your spreadsheet. Well, put everybody gonna, on it. You're going to remember the spreadsheet. You're not going to remember what you gave people. Right. That's exactly. Sort of the point. And you can be consistent. And it just makes that it it's less decision fatigue, right? A hundred percent. And it also, it's less decision fatigue. And, you know, I'd hate to be that person who one year I did X and then the next year I did something completely out of line. Unless, of course... Financial conditions change, or circumstances change, or whatever it is. But generally, I like to be sort of consistent. All right, so start early, make a list, and include everything on the list. All right, that's my first thing. All right, my first thing is to just abandon perfection. Right, we think we're going to have this perfect. Christmas meal, Hanukkah meal, whatever you're going to have, and the family's going to come, and everybody's going to sing, and, and, and it's just going to be perfect. And you know what? Life happens. So you just sort of need to give up on this whole notion of perfection, and I'm not saying phone it in. But don't worry when the little things go wrong, right? Don't. What's the... It, it, there's bridezillas. Are there like holiday zillas? There are definitely. There's needs to be a word for that. But Hollazilla. Hollazilla. <laughs> Hollazilla. Hollazillas. Don't be a Hollazilla. I don't know. You telling me that I should surrender my vision for the perfect New Year's Day brunch? Perfect. The glasses are clinking and people are celebrating and everybody looks fabulous and everybody shows up on time and the food is perfect. No? No, because you're going to forget to put the vegetables in the oven on time, right? Probably. And Chances are pretty good. Or I w I'll either forget or I'll overcook the frittata. <laughs> and you know what? No one's going to notice. You know what the thing about that is? We have hosted so many dinners and brunches and barbecues and parties and all of the things. And one of the things that I've come to learn, which is both freeing and frustrating, both at the same time, is that it is like some some are better than others. And it just seems totally out of our control. Like you put all the ingredients together, you hope for the best, and sometimes it's really fun and sometimes it's okay. Yeah. And often it's the exact same people. Right. That's the thing that's crazy. And you never you never even know with the food. I mean, we made a vegetarian, was it vegan? It was vegan. We made vegan chili for dinner for about a dozen people a week or two ago. No expectations. We've never made it before. Made up the recipe, just threw everything in the crock pot. And not only did people rave, but there literally wasn't a drop left for leftovers. And you just you just never know. So that that's the other thing is, you know, you have these expectations. And even if 
you put the vegetables in the oven at the right time and don't burn the broccoli sprouts and the roast beast comes out perfectly for whatever reason, you know, whether it's family, friends, it, the vibe could, the energy could just be a little meh. You just never know. So you got to let it go. You got to abandon that expectation of perfection. Oh, that's hard for a lot of us. Do you it think is. it's harder for women than for men? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you didn't even have to think about that. Yeah, no, men men just let that stuff go. Why do you think that is? Because we got to go out and hunt an elk and, you know, whatever and do stuff. And uh, I don't know. Just We're just better able to. But but why is that? Are we? So, I, I suppose it has something to do with the way we're socialized, right? Women are typically more socialized to be the ones to kind of craft those experiences. I also think it goes to the fact that sort of men are risk takers a little more. So when men undertake these get-togethers and gatherings, they sort of accept the element of risk that maybe it's not going to go perfectly. And the, the reasons, the sort of tangent that my brain keeps going to on this is the, I don't know if it's studies or what you call it, around running for office. We, and we've talked about this. Or trying to get jobs, but... Yeah, when if, if a male or female are both considering running for election, in, let's say to their... Uh, whatever, to Congress. And depending on their political party, like maybe they have a 20% chance of getting elected. The woman's logic brain will be like, well, that's not great odds. I'm going to put my efforts elsewhere for a better purpose. And the man will be like, you mean I got a chance? <laughs> and we'll run for office. And they've like, they've like studied this stuff. They've studied uh, similar with respect to jobs. If a woman doesn't feel, the research shows that if a woman doesn't feel that she is fully and completely qualified for a position, she won't raise her hand for it. When men are like, eh, I'm close enough. <laughs> totally. But you, so you think that and that analogy applies to this idea of making the holidays perfect? Well, I think just that it means that <laughs> men are just more used to that sort of, uh, I don't want to say rejection, but that result a little bit because they do just keep putting themselves out there. And if the holiday party isn't perfection, men are like, all right, well, that was that was that job interview that I didn't get, but I tried it, it kind of thing. And men let it go. And I'm not saying that men don't try to make a great holiday. And we certainly co-host all these things and and all that. But that's just sort of my take on it. Very interesting. I definitely think there's a different dynamic as far as the pressure around those expectations. Uh, Typically, I mean, obviously, everybody's an individual, but there's typically a difference between how men and women walk into these kinds of experiences. Yeah, I was just sort of thinking we could do a, a whole podcast on the differences between men and women. And then when I said the word <laughs> podcast, I didn't mean like a half hour episode. I mean like a whole podcast, <laughs> <laughs> like a hundred episodes. So, yeah, but that's just one of them. All right. So let it go. Take it from a guy. 
Let it go. Let it go. So once you have sort of given up that vision of uh, perfection, given up your expectations of exactly what it's supposed to look like, then I think that's very freeing, but hard, you know, and I think part of it is if it, I'm trying to figure out how to articulate this. If it doesn't look in reality, the way it looks in your head, that doesn't mean it's not great. Oh, you know what? What? Tell the story of the turkey, (laughs) which I know you've told before. Um, But tell the story of the turkey, because I do think that this really points this out. And you want to know something interesting. I was just spending a a fair bit of time with my mom, and she has no memory of this whatsoever. that's That's not surprising, because this was an instance where the reality didn't match the vision in her head. So of course she blocked that out. (laughs) Who wants to remember the total Thanksgiving failure? So we had a a ski place. We were in a ski place in Vermont for Thanksgiving one year. How old were you? Uh, Eight-ish, ten-ish, give or take. So your sister was a couple of years older. Your brother was a couple of years younger. We could also do a whole podcast on your experience as being a middle child, but I digress. Yes. <laughs> and we're getting ready sort of to eat and preparing everything. And the turkey comes out of the oven and it is hot, like too hot to put on the table, too hot to carve. So I don't remember whose idea, probably my dad's. My dad says, well, let's just put it outside on the little balcony. And let it cool off. It was 30-something degrees out. So take the turkey with the oven mitts and the big thing and put it in on the balcony and go back to preparing the mashed potatoes and the stuffing and return around 10 minutes later. And the turkey is a black, whirling dervish of activity with what must be a half dozen crows pecking and eating this turkey into disgustingness. So that was the Thanksgiving we had pizza for dinner (laughs) because the pizzeria was the only place open that Thanksgiving Eve. So we ordered like three pizzas and pizza, stuffing, mashed potatoes, gravy, et cetera, et cetera. So here is an example of a Thanksgiving dinner that certainly did not match your mother. I can speak for your mother. I'm and certainly didn't match your father's expectations either. And yet every time you tell that story, which you do, you know, with some from time to time, it's kind of a story in your repertoire. You always laugh about it and you describe it with so much rich detail that it's clearly something that's been Uh, sort of seared in your mind. Seared into my memory. Exactly. Roasted (laughs) into my memory. Because as, was it Lisa Quinn? uh, She spoke at one of our events once, right? Wrote a book. Mm. She said, memories are messy. Making memories. Making memories is messy. Yes. Memories can be messy, but the... Making memories. Right. So that process of making memories, you know, those are the things that we remember. Yeah, it's like you're not going to say, do you remember that Christmas where every, well, maybe you will, <laughs> maybe you would, but remember that Thanksgiving or that Christmas where everything went perfect the whole time? Like, I sort of feel like that's not going to make a memory, but the memory where 
little Timmy jumped on the table, put a plate on his head, and started singing Santa Claus, <laughs> it's, it's going to make a memory. So, and the, the sort of the thing about that is you can't manufacture those things either. You can't manufacture the messy memories necessarily because it's those magical, unexpected moments that only arise if we let go of con trying to control every element of it when things happen. So a little bit of uh, hope for the best, sort of plan for the worst a little bit, or just do what you can and let the small stuff go because the turkey being eaten by crows in the grand scheme of things, that's the small stuff, right? I don't know. Is that the small stuff? It certainly is now. Right. <laughs> 40-some years later, yes, or 50-some years later, that is a small thing and a fun little story. And interesting, actually, that your mother doesn't remember it at all. No. Have you ever discussed it with your sister or your no, brother? No, but I, maybe I'll have to ask my sister next time I talk to her. So the other, or the next thing on the list of things to think about is the importance, and we talk about this a lot, so we'll just kind of throw it out there, but the importance of being willing to take some time for yourself. So those of you who are hosting for the holidays, those of you who are feeling pressured to make the holidays fantastic, be sure that you're doing a little bit for you, like it's your holiday too. And if you want to crawl under the covers and binge watch classic black and white holiday movies, I say do it. Yeah, a, a little little bit of, I'm going to cover my throat. Put your oxygen mask on oh, first. Oh, God, no. But if you do take no. care of yourself, you can take care of everyone else a little better. Well, okay, yes, there, there is truth to that. But one of the reasons I always push back on that, aside from the fact that it's such a horribly overused, cliched metaphor, is you shouldn't just take care of yourself so that you can better take care of other people. You should take care of yourself because you deserve to take care of yourself. You deserve to be taken care of. So this whole idea of do it just so that you're stronger, so that you have more to give, like I, there's truth to that and there's value to that. But don't people just deserve to do stuff for themselves because they deserve to do stuff for themselves and feel good and be happy? Yeah, but you know what I'm doing here. What? I'm putting the broccoli in the brownie. Because there are some people that won't. There are some people that just won't do it. They won't just take the time for themselves, if it, you know, whatever it is. You know, sitting in the will, windowsill with a cup of Nescafe and a book, they won't do it. But if you use the put your oxygen mask first on horrible saying and sort of trick them, it's like putting broccolis in the brownie. So I think that's sort of where where I was going with that. Yeah, absolutely fair. If you have to tell yourself that the only reason you're going to do something good for yourself is because it's going to enable you to be a better partner, parent, grandparent, neighbor, friend, host, host all of the things, then okay, if that's the only way, I think that's a fair analogy. We're putting the broccoli in the brownie. There we go. So let's talk for a minute about the holiday blues. 
let's. Do you get the blues around the holidays? Uh, no, I don't typically get the blues around the holidays. But part of that is because uh, I'm usually pretty well planned in advance, so I don't feel a ton of pressure. Uh, and the the traditional holidays don't put a lot of pressure on me. I do a little bit. You get the holiday but, blues? But for a different reason. Okay. I like to work and accomplish things, and I find that much time off of work, particularly if I'm not traveling, just actually sort of gets me down. I feel like I'm not moving forward. I'm not accomplishing anything. I'm often also too much in my own head. And yeah, I sort of, I can get the blues around the holidays. Absolutely. Yes, I've totally seen that with you. Uh, and a lot of people get some element of seasonal affective disorder, depression. There are all kinds of names that they're giving it now. But when you stop and realize that Finter. Blame it on the Finter. Blame it on the Finter is the shortest days of the whole year. Less sunlight, right? Less. So much less sunlight. So that conspires. And then. It is a really, uh, then of course there's the expectation versus the reality. So that is a problem. And then for a lot of people, the holidays are sentimental and nostalgic. And it's a time to really reflect on what you've lost, what you don't have. You know, we have, I have good friends who are uh, heading into their first holiday season following the loss of our friend Allison and her family, her husband, her four kids. This is their first holiday uh, without her. And I can't imagine how challenging that's going to be. So all of those things kind of coming together. So I, one thing I um, I think about, something I've been thinking about a lot lately, is wrapping my head around the idea that two things can be true at the same time. Okay. Which two things? So you can be simultaneously joyful around the holidays and heartbroken. You can be both of those things at the same time. You can make space for both of those things at the same time. And feeling one doesn't necessarily have to uh, completely obliterate the other. Isn't that complicated? That is complicated, and probably those things are sort of going to flip-flop around depending on the day, depending on the situation, depending on what's going on, right? When you're surrounded by friends and family and distraction, you're maybe less likely to feel blue, and I mean, maybe I'm just speaking about myself. Yeah, no, I, not exactly. So, like, what I'm trying to what I'm trying to wrap my head around lately is that the idea that you can feel both of those things at the same time. It's not about flip-flopping. Oh, at the exact same moment? Yes. Oh, I feel those things often at the same time. Totally. That, that's the point. And I don't think we talk about that enough. I think we talk about the fact that you're either happy or sad. And I'm actually starting to realize that I think you can be happy and sad. Sappy? <laughs> I don't think that's what that means. I don't think that's what that means. But I, I totally get that. So making space for your feelings and not, uh, not, uh, not believing, not telling yourself that it's the most wonderful time of the year. So every moment during Finter, cruising through New Year's, you are supposed to feel happy. 
And right, and that's that expectations, that expectation of happiness and joyfulness and all that stuff. Just let that go and accept, okay, sometimes we're going to feel different levels of blue. And sometimes we're going to feel happy. And sometimes we're going to feel both of those things at the same time. Exactly. All right. Last but not least, because we only have a few minutes to go. And this, of course, is the most important part of the entire conversation. What's that? Don't let your walking practice go uh, during Finter or through the holidays. This is as important a time as any to keep walking, right? Yes. Let's do a lightning round of some of the reasons why. Manage your stress. So walking has been proven by a ton of research to reduce your stress. The holidays, no matter who you are, are going to have moments of stress. Keep walking. Lightning round. Keep going. Okay. Uh, get the happiness hormones going in your brain. So uh, chances are pretty good that you are going to have moments of holiday blues. And we could all use the serotonin, the dopamine, and the endorphins that walking gives you. Do it. Go. Next. Combat the, the seasonal affective disorder and the effects of these short finter days. Sunlight, walking outside, being in nature, even if it's cloudy, you're getting the benefit of the light, the outdoors, the walking in nature. It's so important. And managing your metabolism, your food, the, your sugar after eating, et cetera, et cetera. Walking after meals has been shown to be so good for helping regulate your blood sugar levels. And listen, most of us overindulge a little bit over the holidays. And while walking is not like a magic bullet to weight management, I believe in my own personal experience that walking helps to connect me to my body and enables me to better listen to the cues and fuel myself a little bit healthier and a little bit better. Anything else? I think that's the that's the key stuff. Did I miss anything? I got one more. Oh, shoot. Walk with the people you love. Because chances are pretty good that around the holidays, there are people in your life. And maybe you've got a little bit more time and space and magic happens when you walk together. So cook together, make messy memories together, and walk with the people you love. And if you have a, a tip for the holidays, maybe that we missed, give us a call, 866-99-WALKS, extension 3, and leave us a message and we'll talk about it in our next podcast or post it in the 99 Walks Facebook group. We'll catch it there and we'll talk about it in an upcoming podcast. Let me give you the number one more time. 866-999-2557, extension three. We love, love, love hearing from the pack and we would love to hear your best tips and ideas for the holidays. So bring them on and have a fabulous Finter season. Happy Finter, everyone.